Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series Alive, we're taking a look at how we can embrace the daily resurrection life Jesus provides for us. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. So um, I have someone from within the congregation that loves to send me stuff pretty much daily, and they're good little quips and quotes and email. Not too long ago, he sent me an email quote from a man named Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson. Now, a lot of you may be familiar with the name Chuck Colson, primarily from his second life, which was a life dedicated to ministry through Christian uh, prison fellowship. But a lot more of us may be more familiar with Chuck Colson in his association as chief counsel uh, with the Nixon administration, chief counsel for President Nixon. In fact, Colson was known as the hatchet man for President Nixon. 1974, Colson pleaded guilty to charges related to the Watergate scandal and then was sentenced to serve seven months in federal prison. Just around that time, he became a Jesus follower. He gave his life to Christ, and through his prison experience, his life was altered uh, forever, and he came out of prison, began the Christian prison fellowship ministry. He began to become a renowned speaker, became someone who gave his life to not serving the president, but now serving Jesus. Colson writes regarding his faith. He shares particularly regarding the event of the resurrection. The following words I'm going to read to you verbatim what he says. He says, The real cover-up of Watergate, the lie, could only be held together for two weeks. And then everybody else jumped ship in order to save themselves. Now, the fact is, that all those around the president were facing were really embarrassment and maybe prison. Nobody's life was at stake. But what about those disciples, those guys we read about in the Bible, those 12 apostles? They were 12 powerless men, perhaps peasants, who were facing not just embarrassment or political disgrace, but beatings, stonings, execution. And every single one of them insisted to their dying breaths that they had physically seen Jesus' bodily, Jesus raised bodily from the dead. And don't you think that one of those apostles would have cracked before being beheaded or stoned? That none of them, not one of them, made a deal with the authorities. Jesus is Lord. That's the thrilling message of Easter. And it's a historic fact, one convincingly established by the evidence and one that you can bet your life upon, he says. Go ahead, researchers, dig up all the old graves you want. You won't change a thing. He's risen. It's the power of the resurrection, power of the resurrected Jesus that altered the course of Chuck Colson's life. He went from hatchet man, President Nixon, to servant to the resurrected King Jesus. And Colson is really not the first lawyer, the first expert in the law, law, as I say, you know, where I come from. He's not the first expert in the law to 
have his life changed by the grace of Christ and then spend time in prison. We'll know the story of a man named Saul, an expert in the law, who became Paul, whose life was forever altered through an interaction with the resurrected Jesus, forever changed. A man of clout, a man of significance, a man who ended up being thrown into prison because of his faith, because of his belief, because of his interaction. Here was a man that had everything, highest academic, religious, and moral accolades. You would say everything was going down the middle of the fairway for his life. Yet it was changed in one interaction with the resurrected Jesus. A man who went from being a persecutor of Christians to being a Christian in prison. Now, Paul gives us insight into this transformation, a little bit of insight into his life in a letter. He writes a thank you letter from prison. He's writing from prison, and he's writing a thank you letter to a congregation, a group of believers that live in a town called Philippi, Macedonian town, a Greek town. He writes a thank you letter to them for their support while he's in prison. They provided physical help. They provided prayerful help. They provided moral encouragement. He writes a thank you letter and he shares with them his conviction, the reason why he is where he is. Listen to the words that he shares. He says, but whatever were gains to me, whatever were gains to me in my life, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. This is Philippians 3 verse 7. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul had an impressive resume. In fact, he lists a lot of that in the earlier part of this chapter. He had an impressive resume. He was a very smart guy. He had a degree, degrees probably, from one of the world's most renowned universities of the time. He had connections. He had influence. He was a rising star among his peers. The guy had it all. And not only that, he was a great guy. He was a good guy, morally speaking. He was one of those guys, even though he was kind of a lawyer, and I know lawyers don't have too good a reputation, but he was a lawyer that lived firmly by the religious convictions he preached. He lived by the law that he represented. If anyone would be a guy that we would consider being right with God, we could look to the life of Paul, Saul, before he became Paul. 
He had it all, and yet he says, I consider it all garbage, refuse, waste. I considered nothing compared to my knowing the resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. Notice how he says it. He says in this style, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. That's present tense, right? He's not talking past. He's not talking future. He's talking present tense. In other words, he's talking about Jesus as if he were right there with him. Present tense. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to experience the resurrected Jesus in my life. How? Why? Because Jesus is alive. For Paul, he points to the reality that resurrection power is a matter of not something we'll get in the future primarily, but resurrection life is a matter that we live now. We live now. We follow now. Notice he doesn't say, I want to know about the moral precepts of Jesus, the, the teachings of Jesus, the writings of Jesus, the example of Jesus. No, he says, I want to know Jesus now, alive, resurrected from the dead. To live by his will and his word in a living relationship. In a living relationship. I consider it all trash. I put it all away so that I may know the resurrected Christ. When we say resurrection life, the promise of Christianity, we have to think about what we're saying because to say resurrection life, there is an assumption made right there. That assumption is that in order to get resurrection, you have to have something to be raised. In order to have something to be raised, you have to have death, right? Death. And Paul will say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, but to I live because I have died to myself so that I might experience resurrection life. And when he says that, I begin to grapple with my own thoughts about, well, what does that mean for me? What does that mean in my own context? How does that look in my day-to-day living? How can I have that which what Paul promises and experiences? Because I'm told that's made available to every one of us who are living by faith in Jesus. If Jesus is alive and, his, and, and the testimony of, of Christianity is true, then even though it happened thousands of years ago, it doesn't matter. It's real now. And Jesus is alive now. So what does that look like? How does that look? Well, from my own personal experience, let me share with you how it looks. It, it looks like going through the difficult time of dealing with the stuff deep inside of me in my heart that I'm holding on to that's wrecking my life. Hurts from my past. Issues of forgiveness that I, I, I need to deal with. Why? Because they're destroying me. People hurt us. People wound us. People let us down. People fail us. And, and in that, we have the system of law that says, I have the right to hold them accountable to that. I have the right to ask for judgment and punishment on them. And yet forgiveness says we let go of that right. But how do we do that? How do we work through that process? Well, that's learning to die to self so that resurrection life can be provided. How I learn to live by grace is through submitting those things to God. And so 
Personally, I spent time, months, counseling with a Christ-centered counselor, discussing these issues, diving deep into heart matters. Why? So we might experience the resurrection life of Jesus. Makes us whole, brings us to freedom. On a practical sense, Shannon and I, newly married, just starting out, living off part-time jobs, just got married, meager, meager days, tight items. We said, okay, here's a commitment that we're going to make in following Jesus, submitting ourselves to the, to the way we see God calling us to be. So we said, when Shannon gets pregnant, she's going to stop working and she's going to stay home. But also, we're going to honor God with our lives right from the beginning. So when we first decided to get married, we said, okay, we're going to submit ourselves to giving 10% as the base of, of our income to honor God because we recognize God as the giver of all things. And this is the beginning of learning to, to honor everything, give honor to everything with God, to, to God. So we said, we're going to give 10%. Well, that was all great in theory. That was all great in, in the time of dating. That was all great when we were in premarital counseling. That was all great to discuss in our, our, our Christian church friends and, and everything else. Oh, you guys are great. Well, <laughs> it was a different story when I found out, oh, she's pregnant. And oh, wait, she's still earning more than me because she has a cush nanny job. And I'm parking cars downtown and at night and doing all sorts of odd jobs to make a living. Oh, no, now we have to make a decision. And so we submitted. I submitted my fears, my, my worries, my, my financial status. I died to self. Because you know what the Bible says? The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power available to us in the Spirit. And guess what? Resurrection power can provide for a young family living on meager means. It can turn Raymond noodles and potatoes into a gourmet meal. And God provided. You see, God calls us, God calls us first to die so that we might have resurrection life. And to die means to let go of those things, as Paul says, those accolades, those accomplishments, those, that, that impressive resume, that, that way that I want to do things on my own terms, by my own means. Give them up to Jesus. They have to die so that resurrection power may be released and we might walk knowing Jesus. And in that walk and in that obedience, we may end up in prison. Maybe not real prison prison like Paul, but prisons of suffering. We may end up having to go through the hard process, that prison of depression, that prison of anger, working through that process of learning to forgive for the wounds that we've received deep in our hearts. We may go through that prison of, of, of dealing with, with the suffering of, of living hand to mouth for a season and having to wear, your kids wear hand-me-down clothes and you to wear hand-me-down clothes and, and to deal with the, quote-unquote, the prison of embarrassment of, of not having enough. And sometimes we go through life because we're being obedient to God in these difficult sufferings. But Paul says, and I agree, I would rather know Jesus in prison than not know him as a free man, not going through those times. I want to know the power of the resurrection. But it doesn't happen until 
we make the decision to die. Resurrection life isn't released until we die to self. Well, I don't do this too often, but I'm going to do it today. As you know, my last name is Bacon, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of fun because all going through high school, um, I was never known by my first name. Everyone called me Bacon. Hey, Bacon. And then, of course, there were always the jokes. Oh, bacon and eggs. <laughs> like, oh, I've never heard that before. Anyway, <laughs> what's for breakfast? <laughs> and then some thought they were really clever. They would call me Earth. Earth is French for eggs. So I'm like, hey, Earth, Earth, Earth. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot. But anyway, um, <laughs> so it's kind of cool because my boys play baseball teams. And it's funny. They call them Bacon. They, all call, they were both called Bacon or Bakes. Come on, Bakes, let's go, Bakes. And, of course, now today, bacon is quite fashionable, right? I mean, we all hear about everything is better with bacon. In fact, I get all sorts of gifts. Let me show you some of the gifts that I've received over the years, uh, including my wife has received these gifts. Uh, first of all, uh, someone dropped this one. How about this? Bacon power. <laughs> bacon power, right? Um, this is a good friend of mine gave me this. So I've got this bacon power. Uh, and then my wife received this. I think they were selling this at Cracker Barrel, somewhere like that. But uh, she, she got this given to her for me, right? <laughs> you are the bacon to my eggs. Oh, isn't that sweet? Bacon, bacon, bacon. All right. So we, we're, we're all about bacon, and, and, you know, everything's better with bacon. And I just had, actually, in the green room, there served some sweet bacon. So, and my wife's, my wife's email, I love bacon. Uh, that's pretty cool. So we, we really leverage it. Seven degrees from Kevin Bacon. We're, we're into that. Anyway, so let me tell you a story that relates to bacon, a story that I think captures the essence of, of the challenge for today. It's a story about a pig, surprise, surprise, and a chicken. A pig and a chicken lived on a farm. They lived under the care of a very kind farmer. He was a good farmer. He was good to this pig, and he was good to this chicken. One day, the, the pig and, and the chicken were talking, and they were discussing just how kind and what a, what a great guy the farmer was. And, and the chicken said, I have an idea. I'd like to do something kind to show our appreciation to the farmer. Intrigued, the pig said, oh, really? What are you thinking? Chicken, with his chicken brain, her chicken brain, said, I know. The farmer loves to have a big breakfast to start his day. Pig said, yeah, he does. What are you, what are you thinking about providing a breakfast for them? Good idea. What should we do? Chicken said, ah. I can provide a couple of eggs. I know he loves sunny side up fried eggs for breakfast. Cool idea, the pig said. Cool idea. Great idea. But the pig knew that the farmer wanted more than just eggs for breakfast, needed more. So the pig said, well, what else do you suggest we provide for him? Because he needs a bigger breakfast. Chicken's thinking, looking around, looking around, thinking. Looked at his friend, the pig. Bacon. We can provide bacon as well. Bacon and eggs. He'll love that for breakfast. Pig smiled and said, well, that's all well and good, Mr. Chicken, Mrs. Chicken, whatever chicken you are. 
It has to be a Miss Chicken, right? Because in eggs, okay. <laughs> That's all well and good, Miss Chicken. But we need to understand something here. You're providing eggs is really just you participating in this endeavor. Me providing bacon, that's a total commitment. That's a total commitment. When it comes to Jesus and the promise of resurrection life, listen to his words. Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my follower must deny themselves, take up their cross. Cross is a symbol of death and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. How does that happen? Resurrection power. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. When it comes to the resurrected Jesus, are you the chicken or the pig? When it comes to the resurrected Jesus, are you the chicken or the pig? Be the pig. Be the pig. Because it's the only way to experience resurrection power. Be the pig in your day-to-day -day decisions if you are a Jesus follower. Be the pig with your finances. Be the pig with the hurts of your heart. Be the pig with your marriage. Be the pig with the training of your children. Be the pig in your friendships. Be the pig in how you take care of your body. Be the pig. Die to self. Die to your own requirements of, of adding to your accolades and trying to earn your way to, to God. Understand that is not a way that is open. That is not a way that is viable. And in the light of grace... It is really what it is, as Paul says, just rubbish, trash, refuge. You cannot have resurrection life. Got to be the pig. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we could share, and thank you, Lord, for the testimony of Paul. I don't understand how a man can be so joyful and have the attitude that he has as expressed in the letters that he writes from prison I don't understand how that could be except by something absolutely amazing happened in his life. And he says that what amazing thing happened in his life was an interaction, was a, was a, was a time that he met you face to face and a life that he leads with you alive. What he says, whatever was gained to me in my life, I consider a loss in comparison to knowing the resurrected Jesus. And I pray, too, that we might understand that and know that and live by that. Help us to be the pig. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.